Hi there, Monica White, Licensed Mental Health Counselor here. Today's episode is an add-on from yesterday's. So yesterday, episode 28, Multiple Sclerosis Awareness, I recorded it and then I went to sleep. And then when I woke up, I had this consciousness, like this awareness. So I decided that I'm going to record this episode as an add-on. So I'm going to skip the jolly intro and just get straight to this episode. In this episode, I'm going to talk about grief and loss, the seven stages of the grief and loss process. And here's why. So yesterday I recorded the multiple sclerosis awareness episode. It takes about three hours to record and edit one 30-minute episode. I've gotten a little bit better at it, but it still takes a while. And I didn't fully write it, so I was just going, you know, I was trying my best to do like um, a timeline and stream of thought. However, when I woke up this morning, I had this unfinished business, like I hadn't closed the loop. And what I woke up thinking this morning was so interesting. I thought about the grief and loss process. And I guess by recording the episode, I hadn't really thought it through. I hadn't felt it through. But then I woke up this morning and I was like, wow, okay, this is the grief and loss process. And that's what I missed yesterday. So in trying to keep things in checklists and timelines, I did miss some of the feelings. So in this episode, I want to discuss the stages of grief and loss. And there originally were five stages of grief and loss. However, now I'm seeing that there's seven stages. So it doesn't, I don't think it really matters how many, but the point is that after recording the episode, I realized like, wow, I was still in the whole process. So let's break it down and let's get started. I was introduced to Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross in graduate school. So in graduate school, we learn about grief and loss process. And so I started learning about Dr. Kubler-Ross. She is she was a Swiss-American psychiatrist and a pioneer in near-death studies. And so her international best-selling book on death and dying discussed the five stages of grief, also known as the Kubler-Ross model. So I had some familiarity with this model. Then my grandmother, who's in her 80s now, was given this book by her doctor. So my grandmother is, you know, as many grandmothers are, super old school. And so when she lost her husband of, oh, probably 30 or 40 years, she didn't take it so well. So she's still around. However, she did tell me that her doctor gave her the book from Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, and my grandmother loves doctors. So she really took this book seriously and says that it really helped her. Now, when it comes to grief and loss of a loved one, the theory is you don't ever get over it. So, you know, I know my grandmother has not gotten over my grandfather passing away, but she did get some relief and she was able to go through the grief and loss process through this book. I'm not going to get into the book, however, I do want to touch on the original five stages of grief and loss and then add on the next two. So there now are seven stages of grief and loss, and it's not a linear pattern. The theory is that you come and go through different stages and feelings, and so yeah, it's not a linear model. 
The Kubler-Ross model, the original five stages of grief and loss are number one, denial and isolation, two, anger, three, bargaining, four, depression, five, acceptance. So people who are grieving don't necessarily go through the stages in order or experience all of them. However, we do know that the stages of grief and loss are universal and people from all over the world across many cultures usually have a reaction to a couple of the different stages. And so the five stages were first proposed by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross in her book on death and dying. And so when we lose anything, it could be the it could be a job, it could be the loss of a house, it could be the loss of a relationship that we thought, it could be, you know, a chronic disease or illness. So it was so interesting that yesterday I realized in being creative and writing the podcast and trying to like do my usual timeline checklist that I was somewhat in these stages still. And I know that I touched on it yesterday a little bit glibly. I was just kind of like, yep, I don't know where I'm at. Don't know if I've mourned or (laughs) if I'm, you know, in denial or if I am in bargaining or depression with it. But it was kind of interesting because I woke up this morning and I was like, oh, wow, okay, that I am. I'm doing the grief and loss process here. And so I'm going to break it down a little bit further and explore what it really looks like in real time. Keep in mind that everyone grieves differently. Some people, you know, wear their emotions on their sleeve and are outwardly emotional and others experience grief more internally. So we're not judging how people experience the grief because everyone experiences it differently. However, we are bringing it to consciousness, to awareness. So yesterday, I guess I had not really worked through it. I'd kind of avoided it and denied it maybe and somewhat depressed, I think, maybe, who knows. But then when I woke up this morning, I was like, wow, okay, this totally applies to the grief and loss process. So the first stage of grief and loss is denial and isolation. For the purposes of this episode, I'm just going to apply it to my multiple sclerosis journey. So stage number one, again, they're not in order. However, I do remember number one was denial and isolation. I know better than that, so I know to get positive social support. So I actually don't isolate too much. However, I did quit my tennis group. <laughs> so maybe, I, you know, I know initially I was definitely in denial. I was like, ooh, there's no way like a healthy person like me gets a chronic illness way out of left field. Like, how did that happen? So, you know, denial and isolation, a little complex. However, I didn't totally isolate. I did go to all my doctors and I did reach out to all my friends and family for positive social support. However, you know, I did isolate a little bit. So I quit my tennis team and I just stopped doing that like almost immediately within a month of like getting the diagnosis. So I did isolate a little bit. And again, as I mentioned, my neurologist said, don't do that. Keep you know, staying in touch. They encouraged me to go to support groups and encouraged me to stay connected. And even in fact, he was like, get back into it, you know, exposure therapy, like get back into tennis. However, I, maybe I'm still like in the denial stage or maybe I'm in the bargaining stage. I don't know. Anyhow, so stage number two would be anger. And anger is an interesting emotion. So everyone experiences anger. A nice person can be angry. That doesn't mean that you're a mean person. That doesn't mean you are 
um, hurting anyone. It just means that, hey, anger is telling you that something is unfair, that something is out of your control, and that it matters to you. So I can't exactly state how I felt anger. However, well, first off, the steroids, whenever you're on steroid treatment, it does make you pretty agitated. So I would call that (laughs) short-tempered, which the only time I had that was when I was um, playing tennis. So then I would be like, I can't, I can't people, I can't organize you anymore. However, my anger has been a little different. Mine has turned into self-care. So like militant self-care. So for example, at work, if they're trying to burn me out and like overwork me at the hospital, then I stand up for myself more. So my anger has turned into self-care. So basically when, you know, my bosses and supervisors were being like overly irrational and like working us to death, (laughs) basically my anger turned into advocating for myself. So, you know, I wrote an email and I was like, hey, I have multiple sclerosis and when I need to take time off to go see my doctor, that's what I'm doing. You know, like I need to take care of my chronic illness. And so my anger is just turned into self-care and advocacy. So I think that's a good use of anger. You know, it's not anger towards others. It's just um, standing up for myself and advocating. So communicating better and making sure that I'm practicing that regularly. So, you know, I think anger is different for every person. However, that's probably where mine has been channeled into. So hopefully that's a good use of anger, which is self-care and advocacy and like, you know, maintaining my physical and um, self-care boundaries, right? So stage number three is bargaining. Bargaining's an interesting one. It's common when we're coping with loss to feel like we're trying to rationalize, to alleviate or minimize the pain. So we're trying to avoid, you know, suffering. I mean, it's a coping mechanism. So bargaining can come in the variety of like a lot of different routes. So usually it's like thinking patterns such as, because I experienced this loss now, if I just do this, then maybe I can make it stop, right? So this is how bargaining played out for me. So basically, I got the diagnosis and then I started saying, okay, if I just took more vitamins, if I just had more vitamin D, if I lived by the beach, then this wouldn't have happened to me, right? There's a lot of different things. And then you start thinking, okay, if I just take my vitamins and do all the right things, then, you know, I can turn this all around. When bargaining starts to take place, we are often acutely aware of our humanness. So like we realize there's nothing we can do to, you know, make it stop, like, you know, influence it and it's out of our control. So we get kind of helpless and that gives us, you know, bargaining gives us some sort of control over something that feels so out of control. Now, there are things that you can do with multiple sclerosis. For example, you can get the best treatment, you can work with the best doctors, you can follow all the instructions, and you could try to do the best you can. However, bargaining is like, well, if I had just done this, then this wouldn't have happened. So bargaining is typical in the grief and loss cycle. I don't think I did too much bargaining. I tried to stay like chill and go with the flow. Um, So I think I was mostly stuck in denial and... um, maybe depression, but mostly denial and avoidance. (laughs) So stage number four is depression. 
Okie dokie. So when we're experiencing processing grief, so it's the grief and the loss of an idea or who we thought we were. So for example, in my book, I thought I was like, you know, really athletic and like super energetic. And after MS, of course, that changed everything. I'm like way more fatigued and um, my depression manifested as um, quitting tennis. Like it just, I don't know. I just haven't gotten there yet. Depression is different for each person. So there comes a time when our thinking and our brains and our overthinking starts to calm down. And so we start to slowly look at the reality of our situation. So, you know, when you are given the diagnosis of multiple sclerosis, you're like, okay, make it stop. What do I need to do? Get me on medication. Let's go. However, you realize the reality of the situation, which is that this is a chronic illness that will always have to be managed for the rest of your life, and you don't really have control over the future situation. You can just trust that you have a team of people that are working together. So, you know, I trust my neurology team, I trust the UMass Hospital, I trust John Hopkins researchers, and I trust science, right? Medical field and scientists. So I trust my fellow humans to help me um, cope with the situation as best as possible. However, bargaining, you know, is not an option. And so then we're faced with what's happening. And so then we start to feel the loss of, you know, a loved one or the loss, you know, in the case of my grandmother, she started to feel the loss of her husband in the case of losing, you know, an idea or a partner or a family or a friend or just dealing with chronic illness. There's a lot of different types of losses that we can face in our life. And so as our panic and our, you know, anxiety starts to subside, the emotional fog begins to clear and then the loss feels more present. So that's stage four, that's depression. During depression, we kind of tend to pull inward as the sadness grows. So we might find ourselves retreating, being less sociable and reaching out less to others about what we're going through. And this is a very natural stage of grief. And it's so, in yesterday's episode, in talking about MS, I had been told by my neurologist that I would most likely get depressed because people do. And I'm the type of person that's like, oh, you know, I'm going to mitigate depression. I'm going to minimize it. You know, I don't want to get depressed. However, in doing the episode yesterday, I was like, you know what? I kind of did because I quit my team and I sort of stopped engaging with a lot of extracurricular stuff. So I really like slowed down. And as I was writing the episode or recording it, I started realizing like, okay, you know what? I really was in it, even though I have a super, you know, acute sense of depression, you know, not only because I work as a therapist and I treat depression multiple times a week in my patients, so I do have that acute sense of it. However, I hadn't really been able to slow down just working full time and doing private practice and, you know, helping other people go through grief, loss, depression, trauma, all that kind of stuff. So I hadn't really focused on my own depression, even though I was told that it would most likely happen. So for me, that's where I'm at with the depression piece. So fortunately, the fifth stage is acceptance. And acceptance is when we come to a place that we don't necessarily feel the pain of loss like strongly. Um, We're not resisting the reality of our situation and we're not struggling to make it something different. Sadness and regret can still be present 
but the survival sort of coping skills of denial, bargaining, and anger are less likely to be present. I don't think we ever get fully to a place of acceptance. However, we do bring the sadness, the grief, and the loss to our awareness so that it's not coming in between ourselves and our relationships with other people. So as we consider the five stages of grief, uh, again, it's important to know that people grieve differently, so we may not all go through each of the stages or experience them in the order. And, um, you know, we kind of can go back and forth between the different stages. Also, there's no specific time period for any of these stages. So someone may go through them very quickly, like in a matter of weeks, whereas another person may take months or years to move through a place of acceptance. Whatever time it takes for you, it's perfectly normal. And so, you know, in the case of my grandmother, I have no idea where she's at with any of it. Most people grieve internally. For me, I also don't know where I'm at either with it, even though I'm super aware of all this. I don't know how it's going to turn out. I just know that I'm pretty conscious of the stages and that the podcast yesterday brought even more awareness to the grief and loss process. So yesterday I thought that was so interesting that I recorded the episode and I was like, okay, timeline checklist, let's get this done. I have, you know, several more podcast episodes that I need to record because timeline is moving forward and I'm in a coaching group and I have to get all this done, right? So I didn't realize that that episode would trigger so much in me. So then I woke up this morning, it kind of disturbed my sleep, and I was like, "Uh uh-oh, this is the grief and loss process. Like, I should give it a little more credit and merit. So then I wanted to hop on here and just add on the five stages of grief and loss. So I had not planned to do this episode, but it seemed appropriate given the gravity and levity of multiple sclerosis. So hopefully for anyone going through chronic illness who's recently been diagnosed, who is still going through it, um, you know, for any grief and loss of any other life issue, again, it can be a partner, it could be a family member, it could be the loss of a relationship that we thought we had with somebody, it can be job loss, career loss. There's so, so, you know, so many types of grief and loss, and I'm not going to get into that today because... You know, really, I just wanted to add a little more um, respect to chronic illness and give it a little bit more of a nuance. So that's it for today. I actually have to go hop on a coaching call. So I'm in the coaching group and our Zoom coaching call is starting in 15 minutes. So I want to upload this episode and move on to my coaching call. So have a great week, friends, and I will see you next episode. Thanks for being here. Take care.